Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Animal shelters that emptied in California in the early days of the pandemic are full again. And this hour, we learn why. Many blame high pet care and veterinary care costs. Others blame the popularity of designer dog breeds online. Still others point a finger at California's housing affordability crisis, leading to high eviction and unhoused rates. The economic trends that affect people affect their pets, say advocates. And some shelters are trying to help both the animals and their humans. We learn how after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Pandemic isolation or remote work led many Californians to adopt animals from shelters at record rates a few years ago. But as the world opened up again, that changed, and many shelters are full of animals, picked up as strays or surrendered surrendered by their owners. And as Kenny Torella of Vox points out, it's one thing for Peloton bikes to pile up in some warehouse as Americans return to normalcy, but when the product is an animal, and make no mistake, we treat animals as products— The rebalance of demand and supply can result in mass suffering, as shelters are forced to make the hard choice between packing more and more animals together in crowded, noisy environments, euthanizing them, or turning them away. Joining me now is Kenny Torella, who covers animal welfare for Vox. Kenny, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Also with us is Anne Dunn of Oakland Animal Services, and thanks so much for being with us, too. Thank you for having me. So, Anne, I want to start with you. As director, tell us, what has it been like at Oakland Animal Services this year? Have you had a lot more animals come into your shelter? We have. Um, we've really seen a huge uptick um, starting at the beginning of the year. And what we're really seeing are people who are losing their housing or they are choosing between being housed and keeping their pets. It's really quite a heartbreaking situation. I was seeing a stat of, in 2022, the average dogs per month was 238 coming in, and that this year the average was 332. That's nearly 100 more dogs. How how do you cope with such a big jump? Well, I'll tell you, if a year ago you told me that we were going to be in this situation, I would say we, we would not have been able to cope. Uh, one of the things that we did luckily in early in the pandemic is we started a foster program for big dogs and we're really seeing that grow year over year. And that has been an absolute lifesaver. 
literally. Um, we've also completely changed how we do our adoptions. And so our adoption rates are actually quite high. Um, and so we are keeping up, um, but it feels like a minor miracle every day. Mm. And in terms of cats, what is the situation with cats? Cat situation is very different. Um, our numbers for cats are much, much higher. And, and the cat situation is largely driven by reproduction and the lack of spay-neuter. So we're just seeing the cat population grow year over year. Oh, wow. Well, Kenny, some of the things that uh, Anne is describing are aligned with what you have been, been seeing nationally, some a tiny bit different. But tell us, what have you seen nationally this year at shelters? That's right. Yeah, I think uh, the the experience that Anne has described is pretty representative for shelters nationally. Um, like you mentioned early in the pandemic, people really turned to animals for comfort and adopted animals at record rates, in- including myself. I adopted a dog. Mm. Um, but in 2021, the trend began to reverse with animals entering shelters faster than they were leaving. And That trend has just continued and worsened into late 2023, according to data from the organization Shelter Animals Count, which tracks this information. Um, And now many animal shelters are full. They're overcrowded. Some are putting two dogs in one kennel where there used to just be one dog. Euthanasia rates are going up. Stray rates are going up. And it has a lot of shelters alarmed because, you know, over the last decade, shelters as well as animal welfare organizations have just done an incredible job at bringing down the pet overpopulation rate, bringing down the euthanasia rate. Um, But the last few years are are starting to see an alarming reversal of the the positive trends since the 1970s. Mm. And what are the main ways that animals come in? You mentioned picked up as strays as one of the reasons. Yeah, so so I've I've seen that a, there's been a big in, uh, increase in animals coming in as strays. Um, of course, there are animals that are surrendered uh, surrendered by their owners, um, and there's also a concern that a lot of these animals who are coming in as strays aren't really strays. They're almost kind of like owner surrenders in disguise, so to speak. And the reason that I've read, I'm curious to hear Anne and others' experiences that um, during the pandemic, because of social distancing measures, a lot of shelters required people to make an appointment if they wanted to surrender their animal to the shelter. Um, And that created a long wait list. And so now to kind of avoid that wait list, people are bringing their animals into the shelter and saying, hey, I just found this animal, this animal's a stray, even though they actually lived with that animal and maybe they can no longer afford them. Um, So that's one issue that I've come across a a lot as the cause for the huge increase in stray animals. Hmm. Is that what you suspect might be happening in some of the cases for you, Anne? Uh, I mean, I think it's always been the case that people don't disclose that they're surrendering an animal versus saying it's a stray Um, For a variety of reasons, I think a lot of times people feel like they're going to be judged, um, that they're surrendering their animal. Um, We never closed or or changed our practices, so I can't speak to that. Um, But I would say um, what we're seeing is something very different is we're seeing a a doubling of the owner surrender rate. 
Um, huh. So we're actually seeing quite a high increase in owner surrenders, which again has to do with economics. Economics, and you mentioned housing. Do you want to just say a little bit more about that? What is the situation in Oakland or some of the factors that are happening in Oakland that are affecting those economics or housing economics? Well, you know, it's interesting because I've I've talked to peers in the industry, especially regionally, about what they're seeing. And I think what we are seeing in Oakland is very different in the the much higher increase in the number of people that are homeless. Um, I think the eviction moratorium, we're really just starting to see the impact of that as those cases wind through the courts. Um, So again, you know, we are seeing so many people that are just um, heartbroken in saying, I, it's the last thing in the world I want to do is to be giving you my animal, but I have no other choice. Yeah. I want to invite listeners into the conversation. We're talking with Ann Dunn, Director of Oakland Animal Services, and Kenny Torella, staff writer at Vox. We're talking about why animal shelters are full again in California. And I want to hear, listeners, if you've tried to adopt a pet or did recently what your experience was like doing it, or if you've also tried to make or had to make the difficult decision to surrender or rehome your pet, what that's been like for you. You can tell us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can email forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, at our digital community on Discord. Twitter is also called X. Um, And other social channels at KQED Forum. Of course, if you work in a shelter or animal rescue, I'd love to hear your experience and what you're seeing there as well. So, Kenny, definitely housing is a big issue. I'm sure you probably have some thoughts to add to that. But I'm also wondering what other things you're drive that are might be driving it. Like, for example, rising prices. Did that play a role, or has that played a role? Yeah, it has. Um, You know, just as people have experienced high inflation for all kinds of consumer goods over the last two years. Uh, consumer goods associated with pets have not been immune. So the price of pet food has gone up. Um, and so has the price of veterinary services, especially, you know, par- part of the problem with the economy over the last couple of years has been a labor shortage. And uh, veterinarian offices have also seen a shortage of uh, veterinarians and also technicians and other employees. Um, I think like Ann mentioned, you know, We've seen a housing crisis, the co- housing crisis across the country, but California has been especially hard hit. Um, another aspect of the housing problem is that a lot of either home rentals or apartment buildings either ban certain breeds or in in some states or or localities. But many also just say, you know, you can't have a dog at all, or you can't have a dog that's over 40 or 50 pounds, um, mm. which prevents a lot of people from keeping their pet if they're moving to a new place. And maybe the the only affordable option is a place with a weight restriction. So, and you've been saying that you have had adoptions, luckily, still be at a pretty decent rate and so on. And that you know, even though you are seeing more animals than even before the pandemic, you've actually been able to reduce euthanization rates. Could you just describe some of the things that have worked for you or the strategies that you've taken um, that have helped? Yeah, it has been really uplifting as far as difficult as it's been with the intake. Uh, We really focus on supporting especially low-income families and having animal companionship and we changed our adoption practices to be welcoming, to remove barriers to adoption, to make it easy to help. 
Um, and, and we're really seeing the fruits of that. And I think that the other big thing that we've done is we've been very transparent about our situation in saying if, if we don't get more help, um, that we're in a situation where we're needing to euthanize for space. And it's absolutely the last thing in the world that we want to do. And actually posting those animals and saying, you know, this is, this is one of the animals at risk. Has that worked? Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, in, you know, I mentioned that we started to see this uptick in 2023. So the beginning of 2023, when we first were faced with the possibility of having to euthanize for space, we went out um, publicly and, and explained what we were um, facing. And we we had a, a campaign, we called it uh, 50 dogs in five days that we needed to get 50 dogs adopted. Um, the net result was that we got 90 dogs adopted. We got it. We had a huge outpouring of support. But one of the things that we realized over time is to say 50 dogs um, doesn't resonate in the same way as here is the photo, here's the name, here is the actual animal who's at risk. And that's what we're doing now. And that has really been very powerful when people see which animals we're talking about. And we've seen this community step up in a huge way to help. And it's nice to hear that it's been uplifting and, and helpful, but has this had a strain at all on you just personally? Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, there's nobody that does this work that doesn't experience the personal cost of it. Um, the amount of pressure that we all feel um, every single day is we're seeing so many animals come in um, that we are responsible for. Um, it is, yes, it, it, it's incredibly taxing to do this work. We're talking about how animal shelters are full in California again and the impact that's having with Ann Dunn of Oakland Animal Services and Kenny Torella of Vox and with you, our listeners. And I also just want to note that the show topic came from our digital community on Discord. So my thanks to Gabby Tovar, Krista, and Generally Tao for suggesting the topic. We'll have more on it after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Many animal shelters were able to empty during the early days of the pandemic in California, but they are full again. And a new piece by Kenny Terrell, or actually a recent piece by Kenny Terrell, not entirely new, is a piece that's called Americans Can't Afford Their Pets, and it's pushing animal shelters to the brink. Kenny Terrell covers animal welfare as a staff writer for Vox, and Ann Dunn is with us, director of Oakland Animal Services, a shelter in the Oakland area. You, our listeners, are joining the conversation. Tell us if you 
you've tried to adopt a pet, what your experience was like, if you had to make the difficult decision to rehome or surrender your pet. Tell us your questions for why shelters are full again, about navigating the animal shelter system, what you think can be done to help reduce the number of animals that are there. If you work in animal rescue or at a shelter, what are you seeing? 866-733-6786, the number, email address, forum at kqbd.org. You can find us on our social channels at KQED Forum. And let me go to Peggy in Palo Alto. Peggy, you're on. Oh, hi there. First of all, I want to say thank you so much to uh, both Anne and Kenny and everybody that works in the animal space. Uh, just really appreciate it, and I totally agree. Uh, I see how taxing it is. As a shelter uh, volunteer, we foster homeless dogs often in our family. But I really think part of this, too, is the housing. Um, so many different you know, apartment complexes or landlords are refusing to allow people to bring their pets this then rolls into a taxpayer issue where people you know, are forced to surrender their pets at, at a ridiculous rate. And I think there should be some culpability by landlords and um, especially uh, tax, you know, a, a supported housing to continue to allow people to keep their pets, which are family members, and mm. to not let these pets become then a taxpayer burden. Yeah, well, Peggy, thanks for what you do on behalf of these animals. And um, I do actually want to bring more people into this conversation who work in this animal services space. Dr. Cynthia Carson is with us, Outreach Director in Service Medicine for UC Davis, Director of Outreach for the UC Davis Corette Shelter Medicine Program. Dr. Carson, glad to have you on. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Also, Sarah Aguilar is with us, Director of Santa Barbara County Animal Services. Sarah, thanks so much for being with us, too. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. So one of the things I did want to ask you about Santa Barbara, just off of Peggy's question, is is there a similar issue there with homes that really don't take pets or don't take pets of a certain size as being one of the drivers of why shelters are seeing an increase? Absolutely. Um, the majority of pets that are being surrendered to us uh, here in Santa Barbara County are due to housing-related issues. Um, folks who are moving um, and can't find a, pet, a place to bring their pet with them. Um, you know, as we know, there's not enough housing. And so uh, when something, when folks can find something that's affordable and fits their family needs, they often can't wait until they find that plus somewhere that will allow them to take their pet. Mm. And Cynthia, you've worked with shelter programs in Sacramento and Los Angeles County, both high cost housing areas as well. What can you tell us or add in terms of the insights on the on the real push of housing issues? Well, I don't I think I think everyone on this uh, today has captured it very well. The the true heartbreak of it, of having to face the reality of having finding a place to live that doesn't allow your pet it's uh it's truly tragic and it's sort of to me it's definitely the final frontier shelters have done a phenomenal job in sort of pivoting into a into service providers so helping with food helping with vet care helping with training you know if behavior or this incompatibility of people living with their pet is the problem but there's not a lot that a shelter can do about the housing crisis. And yeah. so it really is this, it's a, it's extremely impactful and horribly tragic. 
Yeah. Let me go next to caller Prachi in South in the South Bay. Prachi, thanks so much for being with us. Yes, hi. Yeah, thank you for getting me on. I just wanted to say you have mentioned that uh, uh, during pandemic, a lot of people adopted pets. Uh, I live in a very well-to-do neighborhood, and all people around me bought pets from the breeders. So, uh, and I'm, uh, I mean, it was, it's amazing. I have, I have two adopted dogs and I have, I mean, I try to educate people around my people I meet, but still there was like, uh, I see in my uh, park, all poodles and doodles and those kind of dogs. And, you know, uh, when they can be, and even a mixed uh, uh, huskies with uh, German shepherds, I mean, they all got from breeders. Um, you can get so many make, uh, beautiful dogs in from the shelters. I I wonder if there is any kind of a, a education uh, to make people, especially people who have the money to, you know, they go and buy uh, pets when they can easily adopt. Hmm. Prachi, thanks. Sarah, I'll go to you on this because I understand that you are seeing more French bulldogs or Frenchies in shelters which has been deemed as one of the dogs that's very popular on the internet, for example, a very popular breed to buy? Yeah, absolutely. In 2022, I think maybe we saw one that was astray and went back to its family. And this year, uh, we've seen nearly two dozen um, come through the shelter, which may not sound like a large volume, but it's a huge increase. Um, you know, French Bulldogs, doodle type mixes um we they're just not pets that we saw in shelters um for a long time shelters uh, at least in in california had a lot of pitbulls and chihuahuas and that was sort of what you saw and that has changed so much in the last um year to be such a um it's a much more broad population that we're seeing of animals in our care. Yeah. And are you seeing that too? Yeah, oddly we are. I mean, and it, it's, it's interesting what Sarah said, because we just in the last month, we've just seen this huge influx of, um, of French bulldogs. I, again, a minor number in terms of our overall population, but, but to the caller's point, yes, it's, you know, I don't know what the statistic is, but, it's a it's a small minority of adoptions or animals that come from shelters versus breeders. Um, and, um, you know, I, I really do wish that people could understand the impact of that as it's as we are faced with, you know, euthanizing animals um, because there are so many of them to know that they're being intentionally bred. Um, is <laughs> I mean, uh, frustrating is, doesn't doesn't do it. Well, Margot writes, do you think there may also be more abandoned animals since during the pandemic, so many people also jumped into breeding dogs to profit from the increase in demand, and now that has dropped? Kenny, I don't know if you have insights on this, but also just any insights about the role that pet breeding does play in these sort of shelter impacts? Yeah, so I'm not sure about whether more breeders or more people got into the pet breeding industry as they saw an increase in demand during the pandemic. That's a that's a good guess. 
Um, but I'm glad um, the recent listener brought up the issue around breeders because that's kind of the big elephant in the room around this issue is that, you know, I often remind people that we could basically bring the euthanasia rate <laughs> close to zero if people decided to just stop purchasing dogs full stop and adopted instead because there are far more dogs purchased um, than euthanized. And a lot of these dogs are coming from pretty horrific uh, puppy mills where they're caged, um, they're kind of treated similar to pigs or chickens raised for meat. The product is, you know, not meat, but puppies. Um, and I think it's uh, a lot of it can be blamed on the rise of, you know, what is called the designer dog, where people um, kind of view certain breeds as a status symbol. And, you know, they want their dog to say something about themselves. They want a dog that looks a particular way, is a particular size. Um, and of course, a lot of these breeds are cute. They're adorable. I'm not denying that. Um, but I think, you know, whenever people purchase rather than adopt, they're in essence kind of dooming an animal to euthanasia or uh, keeping these conditions at shelters overcrowded when they don't need to be. Yeah. We're talking with Kenny Torella of Vox, Dr. Cynthia Karsten of the UC Davis Crutch Shelter Medicine Program, Ann Dunn of Oakland Animal Services, and Sarah Aguilar of Santa Barbara County Animal Services. And with you, our listeners, this listener tweets, how many of the animals coming into the shelters are fixed? Lack of access to low-cost spay, neuter, and trap, neuter return services are major contributors. Hmm. Dr. Carson, can I get your thoughts on this just in terms of lack of access to low-cost spay, neuter? What role does that play in all of this? It's a great question. Um, I Thank you to the listener um, who submitted it. And I think I don't know that we know the full impact of it. I would feel I can safely say uh, it's probably quite a bit. Um, to a point made earlier of animals that were bred during the pandemic, it's quite possible it was not intentional. But spay-neuter was many clinics stopped during the pandemic. We were asked to by the human medical field, um, also for the safety of people working in the clinics. So um, there was just limited access for a period of time. Um, we didn't know what the impacts would be, especially, but it was higher, I think, than we anticipated with, you know, the procurement of more pets during the pandemic. And now uh, there's just, it's expensive. There are long waiting lists. So I do think, uh, we don't know what the true impact is, but I I would venture to guess it's quite large because even if you want to do it, it may be months away um, and it may be completely unaffordable or unaccessible to a lot of people. Yeah. So when you say that you stopped doing it, was it because of just concerns at that time that really heightened concerns about transmission? So they were just limiting interaction or sort of, quote unquote, elective surgeries? Yes, that and also just supply chain. That mm. I mean, spay neuter is some might argue it's not, but it's an elective surgery, right? It's not life-saving uh, directly. An animal can live a healthy life intact. Um, so we were asked, just because we didn't know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I don't know if we can remember back then. Right. There were a lot of, lot of things um, unknown. And so just 
um, because a lot of what we use in veterinary medicine is human. It's human grade. It's human. It's the same suppliers. So masks, anything sterile, you know, the, the medications. Um, it's not one for one. Please don't think I'm <laughs> not saying we do. But you know what I'm saying? So when when we don't when we had people getting sick and people dying, there was this request to not do as much surgery, but yeah. also to your point, not bringing people together. We did a show actually on issues facing veterinarians um, and how just the the emotional issues, the shortage and the strain that that puts on veterinary clinics. Um, and so I don't know if you just want to say a few words about that and how that also connects to potentially increased costs, which then connects to making it even harder to have a pet. Oh, it's so interconnected. Um, it's, um, it is difficult to be a veterinarian. I think and it's extremely rewarding. It is also extremely difficult. Unlike human healthcare, most vet care is not subsidized. And it is extremely difficult to have to make decisions based on um, money. And when that has to be a conversation over and over again with clients, it can be extremely impactful on your mental health. Um, and then as prices go up, someone has to pay for it, um, be it the clinic or the client. Um, so it's, uh, vet school is extremely expensive. So there's also just for you, for veterinarians personally, this, uh, you know, personal debt that is sort of always looming, not sort of, it is always looming. Um, and we just don't have enough schools to provide this education to a diverse enough, um, you know, body of people to be veterinarians to fill the need. And we want people to have pets. Absolutely. There's so much, so much science to tell us that having a pet supports people, both phys their physical health and their mental health. But we just don't have the labor force to support all these pets because we can't make vets fast enough and we can't keep vets healthy enough to stay practicing. So I think, um, Kenny, I don't know if you've been able to do any research around or find out anything about this, but I have a very large question of how many veterinarians uh, are not actually practicing. So, you know, seeing clients, seeing patients that because it's just, it's too difficult. Yeah, Kenny, I know you looked at how the veterinarian shortage was increasing the costs of medical care and supplies and so on, but I don't know if you have an answer to to Dr. Karsten's question. I don't. Um, I don't have data on that. I did hear, you know, anecdotally that over the last couple of years, a lot of veterinarians have left the pr profession due just to the immense put on them. Um, but this is a great story idea. So thank you, Dr. Preston. <laughs> I might might follow up with you on that. Well, this oh, listener I... writes. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say happy to. <laughs> well, this listener writes, over the years, my wife and I have adopted five dogs from shelters and found one along a highway, which the owner gave us. Some of the adopted animals had suffered or were mistreated while young. Two of the adopted dogs had problems such as constant pacing. One dog had a bullet in her leg. The best dog ever was the one we found along the road. He lived for 10 years with us. 
Another listener, Bill, writes, the capacity problem in animal shelters is more about dogs. Many animal shelters classify all stray or homeless cats as what used to be called feral cats. Thus, cats brought in may be sterilized and vaccinated, but must be returned to wherever they were found. Some shelters, like San Francisco Animal Care and Control, tell members of the public not to bring the cats in at all, no matter their physical condition, level of care, or access to food and shelter. The shelters ask the public to rehome the cats or search for the cat's owners. The only cats accepted are those surrendered by owners for which some shelters charge a surrender fee. You know, Kenny, are there some issues that are different for cats? I actually thought I read in some of your pieces that that cats have had a little bit of an easier time. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, amid all this terrible news about animal shelters and dogs, uh, I've read that, you know, one of the silver linings is that cat adoption rates nationally um, have been better than those for dogs, um, which I think, you know, is is somewhat intuitive when we're talking about the housing crisis and inflation, because typically cats are a little more affordable and there are fewer housing restrictions around cats. Um, But I'd be curious to hear, you know, from um, some of the other guests, if, uh, if that is the situation in their area or in California. Yeah, certainly that has not been for you, Anne, as you pointed out early in the show, that you are just steadily continuing to see a lot of cats. Yeah, I'll tell you. So I started at OAS myself as a volunteer in 2009. And in 2011, I founded Cat Town, which is a cat rescue organization whose mission is to help cats from Oakland Animal Services that were at risk for euthanasia. And at that point, 45% of the cats that came into the shelter were being euthanized. Um, and one of the things, so I, I say that in part to say, one, I'm a huge cat person and um, and have been following the OAS data very closely. Um, and it, it, so I would just say, yes, we've seen a 63% increase in cat intake over 10 years. Um, so the, the cat problem is complex. Um, it's enormous. And it, it's, it's a, I would say, a quiet crisis. We're hearing your experiences adopting pets, maybe navigating the animal shelter system, and we'll have more with you and our guests after the break. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking this hour with Ann Dunn, Director of Oakland Animal Services, Sarah Aguilar, Director of Santa Barbara County Animal Services, Dr. Cynthia Carson, Director of Outreach for the UC Davis Correct Shelter Medicine Program, and Kenny Torella, a staff writer at Box who covers animal 
welfare. And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation. Have you tried to adopt a pet? Are you looking to adopt? What are your questions? What was your experience? Have you had to make the difficult decision to rehome or surrender your pet? What led to that? Do you work in a shelter or animal rescue? What are you seeing? Find us on our social channels at KQED Forum. Email us forum at kqed.org or give us a call at 866-733-6786. Martha writes, I have adopted three dogs in the last 15 years, and they've been literally the best dogs. I don't understand why someone would spend 500 to 5000 to buy a dog when there's these phenomenal companions who are well-behaved, loving, and super appreciative that you've saved them. Let me go to Heidi in San Pablo. Heidi, you're on. Yes, I uh, live among elders, and I've noticed that a lot of times when one of their pets dies, uh, which is hard for anyone, but especially for elders who are often alone. But they, they'll say that they don't want to get another pet because they're afraid about uh, the pet will outlive them and they don't want to leave it alone. Huh. And um, I'd love to see shelters uh, take that and run with it and maybe create a campaign to reach out to elders to take pets and maybe make a contract with them that if they die, the shelter will take them back. Huh. Sarah, what do you think? And have you heard of that sentiment or heard that from people? I think it's it's really interesting. Um, I often hear uh, older folks saying that rescues won't adopt to them um, because of of the rescue has this this worry. Um, so it, it's really interesting to hear that sort of the flip side of that. Um, I know from my past experience working in in nonprofit rescues and organizations, uh, we have always provided this commitment that we will take any of our pets back at any time. Um, I know there are several organizations that are struggling with that as they've seen an increase in in the need uh, right alongside the the municipal agencies. Um, But I I think it's definitely fascinating and, and another piece to look into as we, we navigate this really complex situation. For a prospective pet guardian who wants to adopt, do you have advice for how to really think about if it's right for them, Sarah? As a uh, sort of, uh, as a person who's adopted several pets from a variety of different situations, I'm an instant gratification person myself. So uh, for me, walking in and and making a a connection, um, looking into the eyes of a pet and saying that's going to be my pet um, is really impactful. Um, But I also know that not everyone has that luxury. And there's also can be sort of a adopter's remorse. And you get home and you think, oh, my gosh, did I make the right decision? And most agencies are here to help you through that. Their staff or their volunteers are trained to have conversations. Um, Anne had mentioned earlier uh, these sort of open adoptions where we really want to have a conversation and make sure this is a good fit. Um, talk about your lifestyle, the, the energy level of the pet. What are you expecting and help you? Um, so there's, I guess there's several ways to look at it, <laughs> depending on how much of a risk taker you are. Um, but also, once a pet is adopted, most organizations will continue to provide support 
um, as well. So checking in, how are things going? What what challenges are you having? Did Are you seeing something you didn't expect? And how can we help support you through that, navigate that challenge, um, work through it, keep the pet in the home? And if it's not a good match, that's okay. Um, because the the time that a pet spent in your home taught us so much more than what we could learn in a shelter environment. So I just, I know people have some um, fear of being judged or, or guilt of returning a pet, but the opportunity to learn so much um, and by giving a pet a chance uh, far outweighs that risk. Yeah. And do you hear this too? I do hear a lot of people say that they worry about stigma and shame around surrendering a pet or feeling like it wasn't the right move for them. You know, I don't think I know anyone who isn't living paycheck to paycheck. Um, most folks could not handle a, a $5,000 veterinary bill that popped up from an emergency and is due tomorrow. So we try in our agency, and I know many, many organizations throughout the state do this as well, to be non-judgmental, to understand that um, everyone has traumas and crises and unexpected events occur, and not everyone has the luxury of uh, navigating that uh, in this really glorious fashion and <laughs> coming out the other end. So um, we we do a lot of talking internally with our team and and our supporters to make sure that people don't feel judged and that, you know, just like we're doing with our potential adopters, that with anyone who needs to surrender a pet, return a pet, rehome a pet, that we're having a conversation with them, identifying if we have resources to help them and making sure that we're doing what's in the best interest of the person and the pet. Let me go to caller Susan in San Jose. Susan, you're on. Hi. Um, I just wanted to um, talk about my experience. I uh, am one of those older people who thought I should not get another dog because I didn't want to die on them. And um, then I was listening to Channel 2 and heard about Oakland Shelter's um, problem with uh, with large dogs uh, needing homes. And I love large dogs. So mm. um, we went online and I mean, it's it's very honest, the, the online uh, website. It tells you about all that there is about the dogs. There's a video of dogs. And then they tell you the date they're going to die. <laughs> and uh, it's very effective for someone like me because I was thinking, I'm worried about dying on the dog. Well, this, mm. this dog <laughs> is not going to make it <laughs> if I don't adopt him. And so we went over there, um, and my daughter uh, can't have a dog where she lives. So we decided to kind of share the dog. And um, we went over and adopted Leonard, a, a pit bull, who's just been, he's eight years old, but he's full of energy and he loves my grandson and my grandson loves him. And um, we've just had a wonderful time with him. And it's interesting in downtown San Jose, every time I meet somebody with another dog, they say it's a rescue dog. And this one man I know is kind of embarrassed because he didn't get a rescue dog. He bought a dog from a breeder. So our particular neighborhood is very rescue oriented. Mm. The other well, thing I wanted to say was yeah. I do um, feral cat 
uh, rescues. And um, it's been horrible since in the pandemic, they just shut down their veterinary services and we see more kittens, more cats than we've ever seen before. Mm. And, you know, during the, the pandemic, it was like hundreds of dollars to spay them. And we didn't have, as volunteers, we didn't have that kind of money, but the Palo Alto Humane Society started um, helping out San Jose residents because the shelter was not able to do it. And mm. the, But I feel like the cat population in San Jose is much worse today than it was before the pandemic. So those are my two comments. <laughs> it's all interconnected. Well, thank you, Susan, for calling in and, and sharing your experiences and, and also what you are observing. Casey tweets, shout out to Bad Rap in Oakland, which focuses in part on tools to keep pets home, including free spay-neuter clinics, training services, housing assistance, and pet resumes to help owners persuade wary landlords to accept well-behaved and trained. You know, Cynthia, are there things in hearing this sort of list of things that helps people to keep their pets home? Are there things that shelters can do to make it easier? I know that you're a real advocate of seeing shelters as spaces that can provide a lot of support for the humans as well as the animals. Oh, absolutely. And and we, this has been the trend in sheltering for quite a few years now, mm. pre-pandemic um, I know both Oakland and Santa Barbara are, I mean, um, are doing this. Many shelters are. The goal is always to keep a pet with a person and removing any barrier that stops that from happening. So both from coming in and for leaving, right? Anne talks about, she's talked a lot about removing barriers to adoption. So, um, and I just wanted to say, um, Susan, that was a beautiful story and um, a, a fear of adopting and that you won't live as long and lots of shelters do seniors for seniors or um, but just allowing people who want pets to get pets um, I mean it's always been a, I think it's been a pretty true reality that sometimes people buy dogs and I don't getting a pet for most people is a good thing of course, I want people to adopt, but I don't. I don't like to shame anyone for where they acquire their pet from. Hopefully, it's done with kindness and some research. Um, but I always worry that people tried to adopt and weren't able to, and so then you want a pet, so you'll go somewhere else. So um, shelters have also t- tended towards. I love what Sarah said about you know really seeing an adoption as the beginning of the relationship not the end of it. So being there to support people when the dog is in the home, because that's where we need them and the person to be happy and be successful. So really having the ability to um, to support people after the adoption um, versus prior to it, right? Like go home, we'll be here to help you out. Because it is, to your point earlier, it can feel really overwhelming to bring a new uh, responsibility into your life as fun as they can be it is work um, and so there's been a, a really big shift to supporting the person and not just the animal both before they ever come in so keeping that from happening and also after they go out so just being much more involved you know outside of the shelter I guess is a way to look at it yeah 
Well, Kelly writes, I believe it is inaccurate and damaging to point the finger of blame towards breeders and the people who work with responsible, reputable breeders to find a dog that meets their needs. Many people need a specific type of temperament or innate skill set, and responsible breeders are able to provide this. It seems to me that an overwhelming population of unwanted pets is directly related to lack of access to spay and neuter services, uninformed backyard breeders, accidental pregnancies, and puppy mills. Creating a stigma around purebred dogs is unhelpful. We're talking about what is causing California shelters to be so full again and what can be done about it. And you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. And uh, this listener writes, I'm an emergency veterinarian in a high-income part of the state. A problem that I see as an emergency vet is that because there is a lack of preventative care for these pets, when a medical problem arises, it's usually more intense and emergent. We have a great and well-resourced local animal shelter that provides a broad range of resources aimed at keeping pets in the homes of seniors and low-income families, including grants for veterinary care. But emergency care is more expensive than care at a general practice, so those grant dollars don't go as far, and I see people making difficult decisions to surrender or euthanize their little ones. Thanks, Erin, for that comment. Hillary writes, I'm curious about other animals like rabbits, guinea pigs, and birds. Have you seen the trend with those animals as well, Anne? Yeah, the, all, all the same trends in terms of intake. Um, oh. We do have a, a really great adoption program for, for rabbits, for guinea pigs, for pigeons. Um, and so it's it's been really uplifting to see that you know people are interested in, in so many different types of animals. Let me go to caller Mike in Stockton. Mike, you're on. Hey, love the show. Thanks for the topic. I live in Stockton and also in San Francisco. And I've also owned uh, six um, rentals in, um, you know, a condo complex. And my experience uh, on both sides, I love dogs. My family has two dogs. And in fact, I'm walking my dog right now. Mm. And but as a condo owner where there were rentals, we were bound by the HOA, which has the policy of a 25 pound limit. And I allowed dogs in my condos, and I love dogs, and I want people to have them, and cats. But the situation became one where tenants would sneak in larger dogs, German shepherds, pit bulls. They would get out. They would terrorize the other tenants in the complex. I'd get complaints, fined $250 per violation. The tenants couldn't pay those fines. And it becomes just speaking to why, you know, it's hard for certain residential you know, areas to accommodate dogs that it's a combination of, you know, not adhering to the guidelines, damage to the rental property, scaring the other tenants. It's about compliance. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to present as a dog lover, uh, the other side in San Francisco, you know, I, I have a condo and we have to adhere to the different guidelines there and which is relative to size noise and where the dog can, uh, you know, poop and pee. So I understand about rules. It's just that it's, it doesn't always work out when people do not comply. Thanks. That was just my point. Yeah, no, uh, Mike, really appreciate you calling in and telling us what you're weighing. What's kind of really uplifting about all of this is the fact that everybody does really seem to care about dogs, whether or animals generally. <laughs> um you know, whether or not uh, they have to put some some limitations or restrictions on them, and, and the goal really is to figure out broadly what can be done. I guess one of the things that I want to kind of ask you, Anne, is as we've been pointing to throughout 
this conversation, there are just a lot of systemic reasons that we're seeing the kinds of issues or situations that shelters are facing right now. But I wonder if there are just any resources for the things that would sort of make it a little bit easier just for the process of being able to adopt and care for a pet that you might want to share for folks who are interested in it just in the immediate short term? Well, I mean, I, I guess that the, the thing that I think about is that this is really a community problem, a community responsibility. And, you know, as we were talking about, like the example of the, the person who is a senior and afraid to outlive their dog is I, I do think that we can overly complicate uh, things so that it, it, it just people talk themselves out of adopting. Uh, when you say we, to, you mean shelters or just people generally can overly complicate? People generally. <laughs> okay. like it's human nature. <laughs> it's human nature. Um, you know, I always say, um, people say, I'm going to reach out to you when I'm ready to adopt. And I say, don't wait till then because I'll never hear from you because you will have, you have, will have talked yourself out of it. We'll say I, I work too many hours. I, you know, it's not perfect. I don't have a perfect situation. Um, so, you know, I, I think that there's, um, it is like anything else. You can just jump in and do it. I mean, these are lives that need support. Um, so it doesn't need to be so complicated. Well, Roxy tweets to the caller asking about seniors who don't want to outlive a new pet. Check out Muttville Senior Dog Rescue in San Francisco. They adopt out dogs over seven years old to seniors at no fee and will take the pup back if you can no longer keep it. Tracy writes, in 2009, my family and I adopted a seven-month-old kitten from a shelter. We had been abandoned. He had been abandoned twice in his short life. Nando was in our life for 14 incredible years. He was affectionate, never scratched, and loved everyone who would touch him. 15 pounds of pure joy. I would never adopt a pet anywhere but from a shelter. A win-win solution for all. Well, my thanks to Ann Dunn of Oakland Animal Services, Sarah Aguilar of Santa Barbara County Animal Services, Dr. Cynthia Carston of UC Davis, and Kenny Torella of Vox for sharing your insights, your experiences, and your reporting as well, Kenny. And my thanks to our listeners for sharing their experiences adopting and having pet companions and your insights into why animal shelters are full again in our state. Francesca Fenzi produced today's segment. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.